everyone. Welcome to episode 689 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm good. Not an anniversary uh, episode, but still a great episode. Ready to do a comic book podcast. I'm sure I could do some creative math and make this an anniversary episode. I can make every fifth episode of this some sort of anniversary of something. Right. We could we could work it out, but we don't want to bog it down with that kind of stuff. Right. This is the uh this week, not today exactly, but this week is the uh 13th anniversary of you and my wife's rivalry over gummy candies. Black Swan, baby. That's right. Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, and a small role by Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> we were, you know, uh it came up the other day that we were talking about this. And, you know, we'll we'll talk movies and TVs and everything else a little bit later on. But I'm going to see Iron Claw with Brett and DJ of Wings on Wings and We Need Wrestling this week. Right. I like and, the movie's original title more, but go ahead. <laughs> the one that DC lifted from them? Yes, yes. That, that actually, that took me five minutes to figure out, but then mm-hmm. I laughed. Shout out to Billy Gunn Fax for that one. He, he earned himself extra Applebee's for that one. Um, but I'd mentioned what the movie's about and she goes, Oh yeah, that's that one documentary we watched, right? That's Mm -hmm. that family. Yep. And that's one of the stories of my wife that lives in infamy that like, obviously, you know, we're, we met because we were fans of wrestling. She didn't have like the, the breadth of knowledge, you know, who does that I I had. There's a lot more. There's, there's at least dozens and dozens and dozens of people that have more than I do. Um, but we're watching the documentary and the one son dies and she's like, oh, that's so sad. The one son from the family died. And mm-hmm. I pause the movie and it's like on a freeze frame of them all. And I go, no, no, he's not the only one. And she goes, oh, no, there's there's two that die. And I go, no, no, see the, the see the four of them that are there, the five of them that are there. There's only one that's still left. And she goes, oh, they all died young, huh? And I'm like, he sure did. Want to keep watching? And she's like, yeah, I guess. So she's like, yeah, I don't want. And she's like, I don't want any part of that. Right. Those poor Rougeaus. Oh, how dare you? No, Jacques Rougeau sadly is doing just fine these days. Okay. So, uh, are we going through the rundown of what's on the show and then opening up our presents for Christmas, or are we opening them now and then I'm doing the rundown? That I'm not sure of. So you do whatever you want to do, champ. <laughs> All right. So we have news this week. Uh, We have uh, DC angling an event and cover opportunity specifically for Todd. There's that word again. Lunar uh, seems to have a feeling that they might need to help out retailers in regards to a certain Energon Universe book. Mm -hmm. And a follow-up on the story from a couple weeks ago of the Nacelleverse books from Oni Press. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I could safely say there are no conventions this weekend or next weekend. Right. We do have what we read from this past week, uh, which is Green Lantern number six, Captain America number four, and Where the Body Was graphic novel. We're also going to be taking a walk down Lois Lane with our good friend Becky. We're going to be looking at what we're looking forward to coming out this week. And, of course, we're like one week away from wrapping up. 2023's Todd and Joe of Issues, where we discuss issues three and four of Sandman Overture. 
penultimate Sandman type stuff here. That's right. And no TV talk at the end, right? We're, we're, nope, we got nothing. Nope. Uh, as we record, we are a day away um, from Aquaman 2 coming out. I don't know what the real name of the movie is, but it's Aquaman 2. Right. Um, and then the Doctor Who thing airs on Christmas Day proper. Is that correct? It's a, yes, Christmas Miracle. You're going to rally around the TV with your family with mm-hmm. a pocket full of shells and watch Doctor Who, right? Oh, boy. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> right. This would be a good one to get my 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 family in on. It's like, oh, look, it's a new doctor. He's doing a thing, right? Right. It's series one now. I don't know if you know that. It's series one. They're they're starting over with new numbering, so mm. you could you know rope your family in with that. I think I'll just watch it alone and sad in my room like I do everything else. With an adult root beer or something. That's right. Zero sugar uh, ginger ale. There you go. So you want to open up your gifts? Sure. All right. We can do that. I'm I got yours this. here in a fancy gift bag. Yes. And you now, have mine with my I'll fancy say this. wrapping. What? That's right. When you drop this off, you had threatened that you were going to drop off more previews. Yeah, but uh, that got away from me because I was driving. I was, I had your gift in the truck, and I was out and about, and I wasn't home. And I'm like, all right, I'm halfway to, to Joe's house. I can either go home and get the previews, or I could go and do this now. And when I found out you were at your Christmas party, see the after dark, um, I was like, I'm not. I'm not leaving ten previews out, you know, on the side of your porch. So, but so should I just tear into this bad boy or what? Uh, yeah, there's like two things in there, right? Right. Okay. There's a there's a big cardboard thing and a little box. Which one should I go first? Uh, the 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 cardboard thing. Okay. Two 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 two. Got my little trusty knife out that you got me as a gift many years ago that I still good. use, Joe. Good, good. So hopefully this gift will be as good as that. Oh, Trencher Xmas uh, special holiday blowout from uh. Salty Keith. Right. Blackball Comics. When we talked about it on the and that's that's how I get all my gift ideas for Todd. Sure, I could go to his Amazon wish list and buy him all the leather sectionals and full size pinball machines he has on his Amazon wish list. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I try to tend to pay attention during the uh previewing the past and he says, Ooh, I don't have that. Ooh, right. I'd like that. Ooh, that's something I'd want. Mm-hmm. That, now, Todd, you just gave me a bag and a back in mine. I'm not really sure. There, what. There's something in there, and it's backwards. Oh, there's something inside of it. Yep. And it's a bag and board. It's a bag and a back. Even the other day, my wife even came in, and she called it a back. Oh, oh look at that. Fantastic. Uh, there may be an art attack on this episode of Longbox Heroes. Did you do a picture of it? No, but you can take a picture and post it. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. So should I open my other one? Yeah, and I'm not going to say what I'm, I'm not going to say what it is until it's time to do an art attack. Oh, look at that. It's the Exo Man War ring. That's right. I love rings, Joe. I know. And when you said when you said that you, not only you like rings and I'm like, does Todd even like Exo Man War? And you're like, I don't really like Exo Man War, but if I knew there was an Exo Man War ring, I absolutely would be getting it. And I'm like, it looks like Todd's getting an Exo Man of War ring for Christmas. And, 
and it fits perfectly on my middle finger so I could show it to you every time I wear it. Oh, nice. But yeah, no, this will go into my Comic-Con uh, comic ring rotation. Okay. I have a flash I have a flash like costume ring that doesn't open or anything like that and, and an actual costume doesn't pop out of it in case you were wondering. Um I have the Infinity Gauntlet ring that the definitive Colonel Sanders artist bought me and now I have an Exo Man of War ring. So and I will wear it to cons and it fits snugly so I don't have to worry about it bouncing and kicking across the con floor. And I I will say this I and again, I don't know what happened there, but I may have waited a little too long. Right. Because um, when I first added it to the list, it was one price. Right. And then like, because I forget when we, I was over the summer, whatever it was. And then like a month or two later, when I went to go grab it, it was way more. Right. <laughs> like, oh boy. Yeah. Just a funny thing people wouldn't think I'd be into, you know? That's right. And again, if you pay attention to Todd, you'll get all these things, you know? I honestly think that's why you ha- we do the, p- the previewing the past, to tell you the truth. Yeah? Yeah, um, just so you could buy me gifts. But no, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm real easy to buy for if we're talking or like, go- like-, like back when we used to go out shopping and stuff like that, people would be like, because instantly like I-, I-, I fan out at-, at something I really like. And I'll be like, oh, I love, like, oh, I never saw. And then somebody like that goes on the list. You're, they're like, if you talk to me, I'm really easy to buy for. Did you mention what yours was, or are you going to wait until? For I'm going to wait till we do. Uh, did we have any art attacks this week? Oh, okay, sounds cool. I'm going to mute the mic for a second while I crush all this paper and put it back in the bag. All right. While you do that, I will start the first story and say. With the uh, solicitations coming out for the month of April, uh, DC is looking to do something for Todd specifically. One, they're doing a pun on the month of April, spelling it A-P-E hyphen R-I-L, number one. And they're doing a bunch of ape specials uh, with variant covers and so forth. And with DC's patented... Uh, rub and sniff technology that one rub of the covers smell. are rub and smell is gonna uh, it's gonna smell like uh, bananas. This is and you think this would actually be an April Fool's joke, but it's not. It's gonna be. It's most likely gonna be real. I will say this. Uh, I'm I'm anti ape at DC. Uh, because I thought for a while that they like hung their hat on apes way too much in the Silver Age. And I'm like, okay, Gorilla City, Gorilla Grodd you get. But then they would just like a slew of apes. And it was one of the editor's rules was like what sold the comic. I don't know if we've ever discussed that, like the color purple, a question on it. Somebody like, you know, dinosaurs, whatever they had. And it was on a Secret Origins cover. It was like, why is this ape crying and all that? And had all the tricks that DC Comics did. But apes were one of the big ones. And I was like, it was way overused. But when you have great puns like these, I will let it all slide. And I will probably pick up this book. But I don't know if I'll get the rub and smell. Because I was hoping it would be rub and smell like Simeon. But it didn't. Right. I, I think there was um, it was Julie Schwartz. And it was a whole thing of like with a caption, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned about like a certain color, and it was specifically like an ape on the cover. Also, would help boost sales of a uh, a book like that. Right. And Are you going to pick this up? No. No, this is this is not it's not a book for me, baby. This is a book for you. <laughs> right. But I will say if there's some funky variant covers that they do and they look cool enough, looks like they're doing like a a lot of homages to some of the classic DC covers throughout history. Mm -hmm. Right. We shall see. Uh, So also speaking of books that are coming up here um, recently, we just uh, covered. I don't know if we talked about it. uh, Transformers number three had just come out this past month. Right. And Lunar um, let retailers know that they were going to be getting some extra copies of issue three at no additional cost um, to go through the whole package thing. Uh, normally, we re- or the, the whole press release with it. Normally, we come to you when there's printing errors, but it turns out the printing errors uh, could be good news. Now, it says that due to a printing error, we've got extra copies of Transformers 3, and we're going to be sending those to you free of charge as a thank you for your support of the Energon universe. So any Lunar account that ordered Transformers will receive five extra copies at no cost. Um, They're going to come in with your books on the 27th that month, um, and you could do with them what you wish, right? Right. Now, they say it's a printing error. And again, I don't want to give too, too much away. Mm-hmm. But um, whether it be a preview of a coming book or maybe the first appearance of a book, a, a character in the Energon universe whose book has been pre-sold to stellar numbers, mm-hmm. I could see people when that issue comes out, it'll be nice for the retailers to have a couple extra on hand, even if it's just five extra at no cost. Not a bad deal for them to do, to send these out to retailers, just have a couple extra. And that's the other thing is if there's a printing error, maybe that'll, you know, uh, make the retailer go, oh, you know what? I got five extra. I'll order a couple more extra. You know, why not? I have a feeling something big is going to happen. You know, this book has been selling good to be in the first place. Have five extra first prints on hand. Let's see if they got any more. Let's order some more. I have a feeling when one of the other Energon Universe books come out, this Transformers number three might turn into a hot book overnight. You don't know, because I'll say this, Kirkman and what he does with Image and the Energon Universe and past things, like, he has, he stealth-ended Walking Dead. He, you know, stealth-started the Transformers Universe. You know, stealth put, like, you know, a G.I. Joe character, you know, in this or that. It's like... So I kind of trust them. I don't like, like it was a printing error. Oh, we printed too many. Uh, I I don't know, but I'm like, okay, if they're giving them, you know, to retailers, good, maybe they'll bump it up. But I do like with their track record, they're, they're like Thunderbolts light. Like they have these like little, you know, epiphanies for, 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 you know, uh, comic collectors. I don't know. Uh, I just hope it's something cool and it all works out and, you know, retailers can sell those five extra copies and you're good to go. Yes. Or sit on them and wait until another book comes out. And I'm doing my best to be spoiler-free in regards to that sort of stuff, you know? Oh, I get you. And uh, hopefully, you know, they can get those CGC and put their kids through college. There you go. That's the real thing, right? 
That's what it's all about. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we had mentioned that Oni Press had picked up the rights to do the Nacelle-verse uh, characters. And I know we all sat here and said no one knows what they're talking about. <laughs> but this is everything from Robo Force to Biker Mice from Mars to Sectors to Power Lords to, of course, the Great Garlou, somebody that everyone knows, <laughs> right? Loves, right? So, with the upcoming solicitations that are coming out, uh, we do have Nacelle verse number zero uh, with multiple variant covers. Enter the Nacelle verse with an oversized one shot debut featuring the modern first appearance of dozens of beloved toy and animation icons. Mm-hmm. Now, that might be one thing. But the other thing, and this is why it makes the news, that what Nace- uh, that Oni is doing with the Nacelleverse books is a first-of-its-kind pre-order exclusive year one bundle. For the low, low price of $90, you are pre-ordering and guaranteeing the first issues of all the Nacelle-verse books that are coming out in 2024. And that is, of course, Nacelle-verse 0, RoboForce 1, Biker Mice from Mars 1, and two more that will be revealed soon... And get an exclusive limited edition RoboForce action figure of the villainous Turbal that you could only get through pre-ordering the $90 Nacelleverse bundle. Right. I don't know who that character is, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a limited edition figure. And I did the math. So 13 issues, and it looks like the zero issue. Is five $5.99 at 48 pages. Right. So I don't know if they're all gonna be $5.99, but I did the math at 13 at $5.99, and that's $78. So that's not bad if you know maybe $10 extra for the figure. Now, granted, some of those might be $3.99 books, so you tax some more on. Um that doesn't mm-hmm. see, see most like a- most Oni books are $4.99. Right, so I don't think it'll be that crazy. Like, if you're going to buy all those books, you might as well buy the... I'm not pushing it. I got no, you know, a horse in the in the race. But if you're going to buy them all because you're interested, you might as well get the bundle and get that, that free figure. And then you could, you know, get that graded and put your kids through college. As two people who are doing a Patreon podcast about bundles and stamps and stickers... And coupons and all these other things of the nineties. Right. This this feels very nineties to me. But with a modern take, because because dolls are hot, Joe. I, I guess. Don't, I don't know. It's it's no, it definitely has a nineties feel, but it is kind of something new. Like it is like, oh, now if you buy all these comics, we'll give you something. Uh, and it's a figure, so it is the same, the same old, same old. But you know, you, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to explain. I just feel like the figure is new, but Toy Fair kind of did that. Yeah, we're coming back around to the to the to the glut, aren't we? Yeah. 
So I'm not sure. And again, I, I, I don't know nothing about any of these properties. Right. Right. We had to have a long conversation off air about who the great Garlou was. Right. I think we even had some of it on air. But yeah, I still don't know who Garlou is. Right. Uh, but just and again, to be clear, 13 issues, it's they're putting out four miniseries throughout 2023 of these characters, mm -hmm. um, plus the one shot and the figure. I don't know. Like, uh, who is this for? Is what I'm asking, Todd. Maybe that's the question I should be asking. This is, I, I don't know, for the big Garlou fan. Uh, and here's the other thing is, as an $89 pre-order, I'd really like to find out, and I should ask, how this would work. Mm -hmm. Like, do you buy the books as they come? Or do you have to pay $89? Because I imagine the minis are going to roll out, right? So the way, that, the way that they have it in the solicitation is that you pay the $89 through mm -hmm. your retailer. You give them the diamond order code or whatever it is, right? Right. Then you will get the single – the single issues will be fulfilled to the retailers upon their solicited direct market release date. Okay. The Terrell figure is projected to huh. be sent directly to retailers late 2024. Right. So, but I was wondering if like retailers would, I mean, I guess they'd have to pay, pay the 89 up front. I so think you have to have pay to, the 89 up front. Right. Because it would be like, oh, well, that wouldn't be bad if I still just paid for my books throughout. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But you'd have to pay the 89. And what if, uh, you know, the nacelle verse goes under before that figure comes out. That's uh, that's a good question as well. You know, obviously, we know RoboForce and Biker Mice from Mars. And, you know, we assume Sectars and Power Lords are the next two series that are coming out. But we don't have creative teams on anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a bunch of creators' names that are attached to the nacelle verse one-shot to give you an idea, but like I said, you know, if you have no connection to these characters, it's tough to get in bed with anything like this because you don't know what creators are involved. Right. It could be a creator that you're not a fan of their work. It could be a creator that you're, you know, directly opposed to for whatever reason. <laughs> right. I was going to use a phrase you recently taught me, but, uh, all right. No, but yeah, you don't know. I mean, unless yeah. the new, the new, uh, 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 thing they have is Crystal Warriors, then I'm all in, Joe. But yeah, I, I God only knows. Cowboys of Moo Mesa would be the one for me. Uh, didn't you play that during the Matrix? I did. Yeah. It'll pay off. But I don't know. I, again, this I, I feel as though we have to be the one-stop shop for all news in the Nacelle-verse. Right. We could be the exclusive Nacelle, you know. <laughs> Hell in the cell. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but anyway. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, there are no conventions this weekend. It's Christmas. There's yeah. also no conventions next weekend. It's New Year's. Right. Though I still think they should have a convention with a big New Year's Eve party. You know, ply all the, the fans and creators with liquor. What could go wrong? I think if New Year's Eve into day, like it fell like a Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday, it would. Yeah. Yep. But a Monday into a Tuesday, that ain't working. No, it ain't. Nope. 
but uh, you could certainly check out uh, some of our other friends and the stuff that they do, whether they're part of the soon to be named network or not. Soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of those shows go live, you could certainly find them at their own individual websites uh, through your podcatcher of choice. Um, if you have an idea of what the three people that use Google podcasts can pick up instead, let them know, you know who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and that of course includes this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, We Need Wrestling, they got two plugged this week, uh, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, Porch Talk, uh, go back and listen to old episodes of No Chance in Helmets. Yeah. And if any of these folks from any of these shows show up on other shows and they let me know, you could find out about them at soon to be named network.com as well as Hayabusi, which is, you know, young Ed's boutique show that just comes out whenever it wants. Right. Uh, we'll be getting that Thanksgiving episode any day now. I know they, it. they're not released so much as they escape, Joe. That's right. Uh, but the, our friends, of course, that you can check out what they're up to, um, you know, go check out Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Uh, go check out our friend Kevin's blog at HellionsTeam.com. Go check out Rick Williams, the chop shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. Go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter a la carte through his Indiegogo, uh, his self-published comic book there. Also, Friend of the show, Chris Runt's uh, self-published book, Battle Monsters, of Battle Monsters, is available at FortressOfComicNews.com. Our friend Davey uh, of the band Cave People has his website, Cave Domain Comics. Uh, his two books, Mending and Keeper, Mending sold out on a physical level, where you can get both books digitally, directly from him. Again, support small business, local artists, uh, local comic books, that sort of thing. And again, speaking of local comic uh, book shops, our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green, if you do not have a good comic book store in your area, or you don't have a comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. I have the Facebook page linked up. Dave and the crew will let you know when the books have arrived, whether it be on Tuesday or Wednesday or both, depending on what you're getting. Uh, you can sign up for their mailing list. You can sign up for the subscription service, get books sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky, who you're going to hear from in just a moment. But I was be remiss not to mention friend of the show mark cole has his own podcast as well the winter palace he just had xander cannon on uh who does the oni book as mentioned before um kaiju max he's a big godzilla monster sort of guy right mm -hmm. uh on the podcast they get into a lot of like the minutia of art um, you know, whether it be like the differences between artists going digital versus still doing pen and ink. Uh, they have some fun stories on there in regards to collecting original art. So if that's something that you're inclined to hear more about from an industry professional with someone who has a very lengthy knowledge of the history of comic books, 40 plus years of comic book history is what Mark Cole has and he would abs and brings it to this episode. And I will link up that episode of the winter palace in the show notes. So you could check that out. If you want to hear more about original art, art process and just a uh, big giant monsters smashing each other. Yes. Speaking 
of big giant monsters. No, no, not our good friend Becky. But this time, she's not talking about a specific issue of Lois Lane or a romance comic. She's speaking about a specific person who makes those comics. Welcome back to my walk down Lois Lane. This week, I'd like to take a break from the zany antics of Lois Lane, and I would like to talk to you about her artist, Kurt Schaffenberger, because hands down, he is the definitive Lois Lane artist, and I'm going to tell you why. So, Kurt Schaffenberger originally started out drawing for the Captain Marvel comics before DC acquired them. Once they bought him over, they had him draw Superman. Yes, the irony is not lost that they made the Superman lookalike artist draw Superman until they placed him on Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. He drew it for 81 issues, and hands down, he is the best Lois Lane artist because there is not a single other artist alive or dead that has drawn her looking so deranged in every panel when she's fighting with Lana when she's mad at Superman when she's upset when she's successfully committed murder he truly captures crazy over-the-top nuts expressions that really added to the comedic timing of these Lois Lane comics Eventually, they moved Kurt Schaffenberger over to Supergirl, which he actually wasn't pleased about. He had a lot of fun drawing Lois. He also was very, very good at drawing Lois looking very feminine and pretty, and the fashions at the time he kept up with. He also decided to put her in fabulous outfits whenever there's some kind of time-traveling, Queen of the Nile, alien nonsense going on. So she always looked good. She looked good, and she acted nuts. And that's 100% Kurt Schaffenberger. Kurt Schaffenberger was eventually fired from D.C. in the 1970s because he tried to unionize the workers for better pay conditions. How dare he? Kurt went on to draw for Archie Comics, for Marvel, and for my favorite publisher you've never heard of, Skywolds, until he came back to D.C. in 1972. As much as I enjoy the artwork later on in the Lois Lanes, and I'm really not bashing on the artist from later on, he especially did a good job of trying to go with the women's liberation movement at the time after Schaffenberger left. But there is just something about Schaffenberger's crazy zany antics with Lois that just really makes the comic what it is. And if you ever see a Superman Family 164, which is from 1974, he has uh, a Lois Lane emotions of Lois Lane model sheet for everybody to look at. And it's just tons and tons of different faces of her just looking like an absolute nut job. So Kurt Schaffenberger was a fabulous artist, my favorite Lois Lane artist, and I hope that this has given you some kind of appreciation for him next time you see her trying to kill Superman or tear out Lana Lang's hair, or just roll around on the street being a nut job because somebody shot at her. Just hands down, Kurt Schaffenberger is the best. Tune in next week where I'll cover another crazy Lois Lane, probably drawn by Kurt Schaffenberger. So again, thank you very much, Becky. We do have your social media linked up so you can follow her and see her art process and all the stuff that she is getting uh, that fuels her habits. And I feel bad. I I know she said it during the course of the episode, but I'm kicking myself. Kurt Schaffenberger? Is that how you would say that? That's how I would think you would say it. That's how I believe she was saying it. You know what I mean? I don't have the the actual how you pronounce it here, but that's what I would go with. Gotcha. 
So again, and thank I you very much. Oh, sorry. I, I was just finding it like that he got fired for trying to start a union, man. Comics don't want to start a union. Uh, I'll tell you that much. But, uh, you know, he ended up finding more work after that. But uh, the iconic, uh, the iconic Lois Lane artist, I would say. <laughs> yes. Uh, and again, like I said, thank you very much, uh, Becky, for taking time out of your day to wax poetic about the thing that you love so much, which is those uh, wacky Lois Lane comics. Yes, sir. So let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? I think we should start with Where the Body Was, which was the book we were both looking forward to most, mm-hmm. with uh, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips, and colors by Jacob Phillips. And this is, you know, a, a story, and it kind of like slowly plays out. It's, you know, where it's about this this body, uh, and, you know, I look in the title, Where It Was. Yes. And uh, you're, you're led, you're given the cast of characters right at the beginning. So you're like, is one of these people going to be the, you know, the, the person who's the, who's, you know, who ends up dying or, or what? Like, we don't know. And then it's slowly played out in, uh, that we get to meet each of the characters, get a little bit of their backstory. And the most interesting thing, especially like, cause I'm used to Ed Brubaker's criminal and other books that he does. Uh, they each like each of these people do talk directly to the reader in those moments. And it's how all these stories are intertwined in this one small town in the eighties. And you're like, Oh, and it starts to be told in flashback at one point. So you're like, okay, this person definitely survives. And the gist of it is there's these two, you know, uh, teenagers who, you know, on and off again, like delinquents, maybe in love and the neighbors around them who don't like them because they're living in this rundown house and there's a private investigator who's trying to find the young woman and you know and there's all these clues and misdirections and even like descriptions of stuff and how it all works out like the man with the badge and what he's about and in the end it's literally you know about all these people and kind of about where the body was but it all works and in the end like ed brubaker is a brilliant writer and each time he writes something there's a there's always like a page or a paragraph or whatever that like legitimately speaks to me in ways that like other stuff doesn't. And when we get towards the end of the story and people are talking about flashbacks about living in the days and and instead of being miserable, you should enjoy them and all this. It, it's written so well. I always find I love an Ed Brubaker book and I know I'm all over the place. It looks great because it's Sean Phillips, but I don't want to give any of the. The, the things away because it's slowly parceled out in these bits of interesting stuff that stuff before it makes more sense as you get this information. But if you're a Brubaker fan and you're a Sean Phillips fan, there is no reason you should not be picking up this hardcover. Right. Uh, and again, a lot of the stuff that you had said is where I was kind of coming into this as well, where I don't want to give too much away about this, but I'm going to give away know any one particular thing right but i am going to give away like maybe some of the themes of this i guess would be the best way to 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 get into this right fair enough so so, um i i go to the afterword of this by brubaker himself where he says years ago sean asked me to write a romance comic for him and i ended up writing a crime story about a girl obsessed with drugs instead but there was some romance involved This time, I started out with a crime story, and I ended up with a romance comic. 
sort of. And that's really the best way to describe this book, right? Right. You got romance in my crime story, and you got crime story in my romance story. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing I will say is, now, listen, I've I've read pretty much everything that Sean Phillips and Ed Brubaker have done together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of the stuff I've read maybe once, maybe twice. You know, sometimes I just don't have the time to read things multiple times like I have in the past. But... This is maybe the most sexed up book that the two of them have ever done. Uh, that was something I was going to touch on. There's a bit with the wife, the neglected wife, that he pulls no punches in a lot of those scenes. <laughs> and I, and I, I say this, and listen, everyone, everyone's adults here, mm-hmm. uh, listen to the show, everyone's adults uh, making this book, but how weird must that have been for... Sean Phillips' son to color the art of what he was drawing. Ah, it's all good. We're all adults here, like yeah, you said. We're all adults here, right? It's not like he was drawing them like people we all knew, you know? Yes. So, so but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like, the neglected wife is definitely an interesting side story. Right. And, you know, as Todd had mentioned, like, right up front, we get, like, a, a page where it's like a, a headshot almost of every character that's in the book, right? And a description, a two, three-word description of who these people are. The only thing that I'm gonna... Uh, so Ed Brubaker, he, he mentions it himself, that he was very much uh, focused on the layout of the cul-de-sac and where everything was in relation to its to each other. Right, and it's part of the story. You have to be who can see what at what time, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I get what he was trying to do with that gimmick, but I don't think that gimmick worked as well as maybe he hoped it did. But that was just for me reading it in that way. But I, I completely get with that, like, everything in this story for the most part takes place in, like, this little, like, three block area amongst these like eight or nine houses. Right. And and And, it's a way to kind of like capsulize everything, you know? mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there are flashback stories, there's stories told out of turn, but the current event stuff, like the, the, the who's and the what's of the story all take place in this little thing. And he maps it all out for you. And and I think he was like very proud of that. I'm like, it worked. It was fine. Right, and I will say one of my favorite things about the two delinquents that are in, like, maybe a relationship or not is when, and this doesn't give anything away, is when the guy's telling the whole story and the girl's, like, chiming in, like, not with him, being like, hey, like, when do I get to, like, that's not how it happened. Like, Uh when do I, and I was like, this is brilliant in some of the, you know, some of the ways that they do it. And then, you know, the the person who died, what's going on with that and, and, you know, a revelation. I'm just, this is, he's, he's pretty good. And I could see how this just could have been a criminal book. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like, you know, everything that he did with the, what was the guy's name? Lawless? Was that the the books that he was doing recently? Yeah, it was like the three or four different graphic novels that all had like the the through line. With the theater owner guy. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, and, and this is in no way bad, like this isn't a knock, but like all these books could have been criminal books and I would have been 100% fine with it. But I like the fact that it's not tied in either, you know? So, yeah. 
Good stuff. That Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. It's almost like they know what they're doing. Yeah, and they got a formula that works from them, putting out these original graphic novels once every three to four months. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, as Todd mentioned before, these, like, I think there was the one, was it the last one where it was, like, a little bit, like, maybe too magic-y for me? Was, like, <laughs> maybe the only one that I didn't love? Night Fever was the one. Right, right. The one that I was not big on was, and that was a great story, but then that one had a bit mystical to it, was Fatal. Oh, yeah, Fatal was a while, while back. I Yeah, I get you. I, get you. I could see that why. That was the one that I didn't, but the one about the, 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 the blacklisted writer during, uh, you know, McCarthyism, that was one of my favorites. But this is up there. I think this one would be the most accessible to a random reader. Like if you wanted to give play schools, my first Ed Brubaker book, <laughs> this is the one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, and this isn't a knock. It's not deep. It's not like, Oh, you have to put all the pieces together. Like a, like a crime story. This is there and it's all laid out in somewhat of an order. But I think this would be like, Hey, if you like this, there's, there's more and better like this, you know? Yeah, I like that. I like that thought of this being like an introductory Ed Brubaker book. I like that. Right. Uh, so let's get into some of the other stuff that we read from this past week. Um, I will pick Captain America number four, uh, written by J. Michael Straczynski, with art by Lan Medina. So we have our different stories going on here, of course, past and present. Uh, with Steve Rogers, Captain America, and a lot of it is how in his past, when he was being courted, um, you know, when the the Nazis were making their play pre-World War II, uh, trying to get a foothold in the United States, and Mm -hmm. what their plan then was, you know, late 30s, early 40s, and then, of course, what Ames plan is today and cap as he's reminiscing on these things and deal, you know, the, from the past and dealing with these things in the present day, uh, we're getting to see how these things maybe do tie together a little bit. Uh, right. but the part that I liked the best was maybe like a little bit of a throwaway thing at the front. And it's, uh, how cap the, the brilliant strategy, uh, uh, strategist that he would strategist be strategist and abdominal stretcher. Yes. Yep. Yep. Don't. I'm not going to say that one. Mm-hmm. But strategist that he is, the way that he determines where his opponent is, if it's somebody he's never fought before, you know, and the levels in which this person is, based on the way that they react to certain things that he does, the basic ways that they stand. It was very like. I'm sure it's stuff that's been done before in a Captain America book, but to be to get so detailed about it in this one mm-hmm. and what Cap calls it right. makes it like, is it supposed to be funny? Maybe. Is it funny? Absolutely. Right. It's just it's it is great. That is that was my favorite thing about this whole issue. My second favorite thing is Madison Square Garden wasn't always Madison Square Garden. I've just found that out because of this comic. And I got down that rabbit hole that it wasn't always the big thing that it was in New York. There was three other Madison Square Gardens. 
that several of them got torn down. And I was like, okay, because I was like, it didn't look like it couldn't look like that in 1939 because the Nazis are having their rallies there and everything. But uh, yeah, I just I love this book. This book is so great. Cap isn't weighted down with like a lot of like heavy stuff. He's just fighting villains and Nazis are, I don't know if you heard Nazis are villains, just it's great. And how it all ties, like you said, in the past into the present and maybe there's a through line. And uh, I, I, we haven't pushed cap or talked about cap much on here uh, because of various books that came out throughout the weeks. But this is one of those that I kind of just, I'm falling in love with very, very fast. And it's only what issue four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we talked about, yeah, I know we talked about issue one and I went into this with some trepidations because of, you know, J. Michael Straczynski's track record, you know, mm-hmm. when he's hot, he's one of the best. And when he's not, he's one of the worst. Right. And, or when he's given up, he'll just walk away. Or when he's get right. He, he's, he's the sort of guy of just like, I had this idea, you agreed to it, now I'm going to left turn it, you don't agree, well, I'm just going to leave. And he's done that on multiple occasions, but I'm enjoying what we've gotten so far out of his run on Captain America. Yep. And I, I mean, even in the past two issues, all the cro- like uh, the guest appearance and cameos have been a blast. Um, I, I mean, to me, this is the Marvel equivalent of how much I'm kind of loving Green Lantern over at DC. And that's, I would say that's a perfect segue into the other book from this week, which would be Green Lantern number six. Uh, main story written by uh, Jeremy Adams with art by Zermonico. That's the way I've been saying it. Uh, Yes, so this is the payoff to what has been going on with Sinestro, and we saw at the end of issue five that he may not have as much power left in the yellow ring to be able to strike fear, but he's certainly got a lot of rage built up inside of him, and it's right on the cover of issue six, so we got Red Lantern Sinestro in this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I'm, I'm a sucker for anything with Sinestro, but... We also get a big revelation in regards to um, what's been going on with Hal on Earth. Yep. Yeah. And I don't want to give that one away because they don't give too much of that away on the cover either. Right. All they say is secret revealed, and it is a secret. Yeah. Um, And I was with it. And I don't want to say this in a bad way uh, because just uh, Sinestro seemed very out of character because he was – you know, raged up. He was, you know, he's got, he's mad. So the red lantern ring is kind of taking over and like, cause you know, like, yeah, Sinestro's gotten mad at Hal, but this isn't the cool, calm, collected scalpel Sinestro that we know. So right. it's interesting to see him as the red lantern. Um, and I was like, I found that amusing and he wants to get back to his home planet. And Hal's like, Oh, if I, if he goes like, I'm like the silver surfer, I can't leave my planet. So he's like trying to stop him. And then the reveal is interesting because we've been given clues up to this point of what the ring can do. It works differently. So I'm like, okay, you know, uh, the ring can make colors and stuff like that, that it never, everything used to look green. So there's something with what the ring's doing and what's going on with the emotional spectrum. Cause even Hal's like, there's something wrong with it. If you could just tap into the red lantern ring, I'm like, all the questions and then it kind of ends on the cliffhanger of maybe we're going to find out what happened to strand Hal on earth 
like whatever happened with him in the core. So I'm like, you give me some answers, you, you know, you, you give more questions, but not you're answering more questions than, than adding new ones. And in the end, it keeps me interested every month, every, like every ending. I'm like, give me the next issue of green lantern right now. It looks beautiful. Uh, maybe one of my favorite books at DC right now. Uh, yeah, definitely. It was, um, something that really grabbed me from the first issue. Um, I, my first exposure to Jeremy Adams was that, um, the, the, the short story that he did cause he had been previously doing the flash book. And I know Todd legally has to get every flash book that comes out. Mm-hmm. And I picked up that anniversary issue just to get the tease or the test of the new flash that's been going on for a couple months. But the short story that Jeremy Adams did in that, in regards to like the villains, uh, I thought was great. And I'm like, this guy, he, he, he writes a fun DC comic. And a lot of the critiques of DC comics is that they could be bleak and dark and dank and whatever else. But he, he you know, it's a bit of a gut punch at the end of issue six. But, you know, he's building off what Jeff Johns did with Hal Jordan you know, now some 16, 17 years ago to give him a personality. And I I like to see a writer come on board and not shake it up, but kind of build off the personality that Hal Jordan was given. Right. Not only get back to its roots, but give us something new and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But like I said, this was definitely, this, this is definitely another book. Um, I wouldn't say underrated, but definitely what did not know what to expect with it and have been greatly enjoying it. Right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week uh, so that you are prepared. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with one correct guess. And I'm looking at your list, which, again, is a list bigger than my list. And I'm going to say the book that you are most looking forward to coming out this week is Batman Off-World number two. It is Batman Off-World number two. And I'm looking over your list, and is it also the same? It is. It is Batman Off-World number two, 100%. Right. I would like to say um, I'm really, and I'm coming around on Batman Santa Claus Silent Night. Um, issue two was even better than issue one. And Joe, I'm just going to give you this little tidbit in case you're interested at all. Uh, Superman shows up at the end and he's mad at Batman. Do you want to know why he's mad at Batman? Um, because he, Superman or Batman kayfabed his friendship with super with Santa. It's close. He's like, he shows up and he lands and he's got the red eyes and he's like looking at him and you're like, Oh my God, he's going to attack Superman. And then he does it, takes it down and he has that, ah, shuck Superman looks, And he's like, how come you never told me, told me you knew Santa? And that's the uh. cliffhanger. And I'm like, that's, what's going to tear them apart, man. <laughs> that's, what's going to tear them apart. I, so. I, I think back to, from, uh, the Superman animated series that yeah, the justice league issue episode. Yeah. 
where uh, Ma and Pa Kent are talking about, you know, all the things that they had to do when Clark was a kid. Yep. And they would say that even around Christmas time, they would have to wrap his presents in lead-lined paper so he couldn't see what they were. Right. And incredulously, Clark says, you mean Santa wrapped my presents with lead-lined paper? Yep. The only thing that's better in that episode yes. is John having his first Oreo. <laughs> you remember? Because he's doing the Santa bit, and yeah. he's using his... Uh, like his stretch, like he has like shape changing and he puts his hand down the chimney and he finds the cookie. I think he dips it in the milk and then it goes up the chimney. And all you hear is the "Mm," echoing down the chimney. (laughs) And Joe, I was home watching that seeing John eat an Oreo. I lost my mind. It was awesome. So that's how you, that's how you pay tribute to one of the greatest runs on a, a group of characters in the history of comic books. Exactly. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and of course, our current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are rereading all of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and we're almost done. We almost mm-hmm. ain't got no more Sandman to read, pal. True. Because this week we're going to be talking about Sandman Overture 3 and 4. And I know I mentioned it last week. And I will mention it again here. I am specifically using the slight color variations of the ones that came with the digital codes. So that you know that they are one, different. And two, know that they are forever missing from your collection. Alright, you know what? Doesn't bother me. I'll be alright. <laughs> alright. Listen, and- I have a... I have a helm edition. I'm doing okay, all right? All right. You should get on the I don't have the San Diego one, if that's what you're going to push. I could go buy probably cover price issues to fill in my collection, and you're not pushing the $2,000 helm edition? This is is a more pushable goal. This is the baby steps. This is the, the free taste and then on to the big stuff. Right. And the other thing is I, I think I had it charted out last week. Let me see if I still have it. I don't think that I do. Um, but let's just say uh, a safe estimate is that it was six months in between ish- each issue of this coming out. Yeah, it came out itch. I believe this was you could say was a trickle when yes. it came to Overture at this point. There, were some, there was one time where it was five months, but most months it, it was most issues was six plus months in between issues coming out. Pretty much, yeah. So to read it all like this, back to back to back to back, um, you know, within three weeks of each other, I don't know if this is the way that it was intended to be read, or Neil was purposely doling it out to us two two issues a year. Right. I think it was meant to be read like this, Joe. Okay. But um, so, Go ahead. So, uh, written by Neil Gaiman, art by J.H. Williams, beautiful art. So, we discussed that, like, something's making people wacky in the universe. So, everybody's lining up to start a war that, you know, you know, basically could 
end everything. And I like the way Neil kind of lays it out. There's there's people that we don't know, but then he's like, oh, all these people are coming to watch. And it's like Wave Riders, wink, and Planet Eaters. Um, all right, Wave Rider could be Wave Rider from the DC Comics, and I wonder who the Planet Eater can be. And then he goes into various <laughs> stuff. Even the, the Green Lantern Corps is there. There's a group of Beatles who want to, you know, make art from the wreckage. Mogo is involved. Um, so things are getting big with whatever's happening with Sandman. So and I'll him- just throw I'll just throw this out again. We said it last week. I'll say it again. J.H. Williams' art is beautiful. Um, we are in a series of two-page full, you know, spreads for mm-hmm. pretty much every page. Quote, every page is two pages in this, essentially, mm-hmm. right? The way that everything is laid out. And yet again, I'm repeating myself, but I have to. The way that J.H. Williams changes his art style on the third and fourth pages of this he has no less than two, four, six, seven, eight different art styles. And it's all him, all of them different, all of them unique into themselves, but all of them unmistakably J.H. Williams. Right. Um, so there, the, you know, the Morpheus version and the, the cat dream are, you know, traveling along and they're like, there's only one place that we can go. And there's the three witches, Joe. They show up, the, the fates or whatever you will. They're like, oh, he's coming and he has a cat. You know, we usually get gifts. Maybe he'll leave the cat. Um, and he's like, no, I'm not here for that. And I don't need knowledge. I kind of know what I know. And they're like, well, in the end, you know, Dream Lord, uh, your journey is going to take you to the city of the stars um, and into the night. And you are doomed. Um and, you know, like, this is kind of, you know, give us the cat. He's like, no, that's an aspect of me. You can't have it. And uh, and they're like, you know, this 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 path is going to lead you to your death. And he's like, that can be the same said of all people. Um, and he's like, but I do appreciate your kindness, Joe. And they're like, were we kind? I don't think we were kind. Were you kind? I wasn't kind. Um, and. It's kind of, you know, hinting on the kindly ones kind of a bit. And she's like, if we were kind, we would have told them not to look under the bed. So I was like, ooh, what does that mean? And he's like, so they go they go traveling and they end up coming across this hut. And there's these like ravagers, pirates or, or what you will. They come out and they attack uh, Morpheus. And that goes about as well as you think it would be as they try to kill him. And he's like, why won't you die? He's like. I ain't dying here. When my sister comes for me, it will not be here. Um, So they end up going into, uh, he puts them to sleep, gives them like terrible, terrible nightmares. Um, They go in, they've murdered a family under there in the house. And then Morpheus looks under the bed and there's a young girl under there. She kind of comes out. They talk. He's like, what about the people? He's like, I've taken care of them. Uh, They're, you know, are they going to wake up? He's like, nope, they're never going to wake up. She's like, ah, too bad. He's like, but that's what I did was worse than killing them. And she's like, good, because she ended up uh, seeing what they did to her father. Um, and he's like, okay, well, you're on your own, kid. I'm going. And he's like, can I come along? She's like, no, you can't come where we're going. He's like, you won't be able to keep up. Well, I could ride your cat. And it's like, oh, I don't think that's going to work. He's like, uh, uh, would you mind? And the cat's like, as long as you don't pull on my fur, you can go. So they end up, she ends up traveling along with them. And uh, 
I like that she's end up writing a no, a letter to her father, her, her family who's passed away. She's discussing the way she visualizes Sandman, Morpheus, and the cat. And she's like, yeah, the cat is a little easier to talk to, but because the man, Morpheus, doesn't want to answer any questions, and he's all, like, stuffy and standoffy. And he's like, but I can't get a grip on the cat. Like, you know, the cat's aloof as cats are, and I can't even really tell – you know, whether it's a boy cat or a girl cat and, you know, just various. It, it's, a, it's a Morpheus cat. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but uh, as this goes on, the Beatles that I, and not, the, you know, the ones from Liverpool show up that I mentioned before. And they tell Morpheus that, you know, you can't stop the big dream from coming. Like, we want to do what we will do. And he's like, messed it up. Uh, a while ago and, and, you know, bad things happen. It's not going to happen again. Um, and, you know, uh, you can't do anything. I, I died here. You, you're making threats. I died here as the flower that didn't deter me. What do you think's going to happen? And they're like, uh, what if we were to, you know, kill you now? And he's like, and he just laughs. And I think this is the second time we've ever seen Morpheus laugh in a comic. And I think this is even, uh, this one is much more distressing. Yeah, especially since it's like the way it, it it's laughed, and he looks like he's almost in pain from from laughing. And he's like, "What is he doing?" He's like, "I think he's laughing." Uh, but as they're going, she she's kind of you know sad. She's like, "Could you tell me a story?" Um, and he's like, "Okay, uh, you know, what's your name?" And he ends up dreaming on the aspect, and she ends up, I think, telling. Her, him that her name is Hope and he's like well tell me a story about a prince you know and the princesses and all that kind of stuff and he ends up telling the story of how he got his helm and he ends up meeting the woman uh, from a game of view that ends up you know he, he all that stuff and uh, it was the two creatures that storm the dreaming and they take over they surprise him and lock him away he ends up asking all the his endless family to help him. They don't show up except for uh, Delight, who's who can't come because she's changing into delirium. And I like that we find out that her sigil at this point was a flower. So that's kind of cool. And he ends up begging Desire, who he's not, you know, at this point on the best of terms with. And she shows up and she's like, I can give you some help. But uh I uh, probably, you know, maybe a lover. He's like, I don't want a lover. He's like, well, you're going to need somebody to lighten the mood. And he ends up sending that woman and her name is uh, Alorna or, or I, I don't know how to say it exactly. And they end up, you know, he says, I'll love you for all of time. Help me. She does. They end up defeating the monsters, but not before she gets her scar that we ended up finding about. And I like the fact that it was from the scorpion whip that end up giving but the, that's why the Furies used it on Morpheus, Morpheus when, right. when they attacked. Brilliant bit. Um, so he's like, in the end, you know, uh, uh, she kind of, what happened to the to the thing? Did the prince and the princess live after that? Uh, happy ever after? And he's like, nah, happy for always doesn't come. Um, they were happy for a while, but the tale is done. And he's like, so... Uh, She's like, well, I don't want to go to sleep. What if I have bad dreams? Like, what do you want to dream of? My father and happier times. He's like, granted, that will, that will be. And uh, the cat comes over. He's like, that's not how it ended. And he's like, 
I know. And the cat's like, do you ever wonder if she thinks of you? And they end up showing how, you know, the, the love went bad, but you know, she had nowhere to go. So he ends up making, giving her the dream stone and the, you know, saying that you will live as long as this land does that she ends up dying in a game of you. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, the cat's like, okay, she's asleep. It's on to where we have to go. And, uh, do you think, you know, that he'll be, uh, you know, it, 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 the person we're going to see. And he goes, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, but the stars are coming out and I have to go where I need to go. So, uh, they don't tell you where they kind of hint at it, but, uh, interesting. What did you think of the issue? Any, any I, I like that we get the name and the origin for Eleonora. Right. Uh, it's a beautiful book. Um, again, I get why it's in there, but it could certainly be looked at as hope being added to the traveling band of Morpheus and Cat Morpheus. Uh, is very Cousin Oliver of adding a young kid who kind of, you know, asks questions to help move things along. And answer um, questions for the real like you when you're explaining it to her, you're explaining it to the reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, eh, I, I feel Neil's better than that, but what do I know? You know, who am I to question Neil Gaiman? Right. So on to issue four. Yeah. So um, you know, he's talking with Hope, and she's saying that yeah, I thought you were here to save everybody, but then Morpheus is kind of being pulled away, leaving. And he ends up saying, you know, he's talking about the beginning In the beginning, there was night. That was the first thing. And there was night without end. And then there was time. And, uh, he ends up going to this, this area, this courtyard, and he ends up the long and the short of it. He ends up running into his father who is time. Um, and as we see various bits with like delirium, while we see him talking to time, J.H. Williams is uh, changing how time looks. So he'll be young, he'll be old, he'll be, you know, uh, vibrant. But we're seeing him all through uh, the stages of his of his life. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a kind of a cool thing. And he's like, why are you here? It's never good when you when my kids come to see me. The only one who doesn't ask me anything of of me is destiny. Um he leaves me alone. Uh, and he's basically like, uh, you know, are anybody else coming? He's like, no. And it's just me and a cat who is me. And he's like, well, what do you want? Um, and he's like, help me. He's like, no, last time I helped you, I gave you the, the salculum or whatever it is, like the, the clock that Daniel was looking for in the past issues. And you ended up losing it. Um, why should I do it? He's like, you're my father. Um, it's like, well, I just, I just made you just, that's all I, I kind of have to have to do. Like you just go do save, save it if you want. And he's like, basically he ends up asking him, he's like, okay, um, there's nothing that I can give you. Have you spoken to mother recently? And he ends up, uh, kind of like that gets his father's attention. And now he pops back with hope and he sells her. Cause she said, were you here to say everything? And he's like, I'm not. So he ends up, he's like, okay, now we're here at the city of the stars and they tell him that you can't come in. None of you can come in. Um, and he's like, I'm not allowed in your realm. Have you ever dreamed? The stars like, yes, I've dreamed. He's like, well, 
I've let you in my realm. How come I'm not allowed in your realm? And uh, they're like, no, no. And who's this, a meat child? And I found that amusing. Um, And he's like, well, I'm here to avert the war. And they're like, we don't care. It's going to happen. And that's when, uh, what's his name, Stoa Oa? Shows up, Stoa, who is the star that stole his girlfriend back in in in, in the uh, endless, endless nights. Night. Yep. And he's like, uh, he's 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 like, okay, well, you know, I can get in here because all doors are open to me. And they're like, ah, just kind of go do what you're going to do. And I like that. Hope's like, do you want to hold my hand? And he's like, I do not. And he's like, I think you're very lonely. And he's like, I'm not lonely. I'm endless. He gives his little speech. And he's like. You're such a liar. And I'm wondering if this is the beginning of like Morpheus cracking a little bit, even before being trapped. Um, and so they let him into the, to the city of the stars and he ends up running into the star that's gone mad that we, that we've explained. And he says, listen, what, you know, the stars acting wacky kind of imply that he's being held captive. He's like, Morpheus is like, let me tell you a story. Back in the time, you know, I found uh, a vortex, an anomaly, the uh, Anulet, uh was was in this young woman, and I was young, and I had never killed an innocent before, so I kind of wanted to watch it. And as I watched it, it got worse. It was transferred from person to person until it was basically, you know, ripping through this land, and that's when, you know, death shows up and says, listen, you're allowed to take a life if... If uh, your 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 land is threatened, even if it's innocent life, it's it's better than you know what the ramifications are. And destruction shows up. He's like, yeah, I could feel it. It's it's only going to get worse. Um, and Morpheus is like, all right, uh, I will do it. And she's like, all right, you got the planet, but you kind of have to. Why don't you take out the star too? And he's like, no, I've done enough this day. And so that's kind of establishing what he did. He didn't snuff out the star. That's why everything is going to pot here. Now Uh, the star says, you know, you thought I was captive, but I'm, I'm really the one in charge here. Um, And that's when he gets kind of pulled back to his father pulls him back his time. But this is as the stars are about to kill hope and kill the cat version of himself um, and he's like, what are you talking about mother? And she's like, your mother, why'd you bring that up? And he's like, listen, you just left me, took me out here. Like the person I was with and protecting is going to die. He's like, ah, don't worry about that. And he's like, but you were, you were mad at me for losing, you know, that thing. And he's like, oh, well you brought it back. And he ends up doing like the, the cards that show the past issue where Daniel brought it back. He's like, ah, well you. You didn't bring it back, but you uh, kind of will. Um, and he ends up, uh, you know, like saying that he's uh, going to try and go and save his friends, if you call them. And he ends up getting banished to uh, the, what do they call it? The, the event horizon where no light or information can escape and definitely no dreams. He gets banished to there. And that's where we leave dream, uh, at the end is he's trapped in darkness, if you will. Um, so 
there's a bit earlier in the issue where right after the first meeting with Morpheus and his father, we have a great page layout there where the tops of the cities in the city of stars spell out chapter four. Mm-hmm. And on the masthead for it, there's like a rock where it says Gaiman typed and Williams etched and Stewart toned and stamped and labeled and approved. Uh, I thought that was a unique and interesting way to throw in the credits into this issue and make it part of everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. And of course, Todd, you know me, one of my favorite things uh, in a book is where they play with the fonts and the word balloons. Right. Um, I did not love the Mad Stars rainbow word balloon with an almost unreadable yellow text in it. And then I liked it even less when it started to twist and go upside down on the page. Okay. Now, I will say this. I'm not a fan of when they turn art in a book so you have to turn the book. And especially if you're reading it digitally, so you have to turn off the... uh, the, fl- the way the stuff flips. But I understand that the font is a little hard to read, but I do like the fact that it's a rainbow font like Delirium's, the crazy. So yeah. it works in that. But I do wish it was done a little better because it, it's made to look more computer-like, but I don't understand why it would look computer-like for a star, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Um, I would have liked to seen it done like Delirium's a little bit. With a, with a different font, uh, not as hard to read. But otherwise, I get what, what they were doing. Um, but it's weird to see Endless's parent. Kind of bizarre. So Because I never thought that they had a, had a parent. But that goes back to all the, like, Titan myths to, like, gods of lore, like the Greek gods and everything like that. So I didn't mind it as much. Yeah, like I said, I and, and sadly, you know, obviously I read this when it first came out. Ten to eight, eight to ten years ago, because it took two years for it to come out. Uh, don't make me feel old, Joe. Um, I, and sadly, I, I, I'm just afraid that when we read five and six next week, that it's going to end on a whimper and not a, you know, a, a big finale. Right. But that's next week, though. Yep, that's next week. Um, so Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. We had one while the show happened, Joe, which kind of blew my mind. So, uh, Joe Sposto sent this in, got this killer D man sketch by the Kyle Starks from Roker, the Joker for Christmas at Todd's art attack. And it's a colored, uh, D man sketch that I got at New York. When, do you remember when he was doing all those, uh, headshots of the, uh, Avengers yes, for the show. And I knew he had a D man and it slipped my mind because I, you know, I got there late cause we all, I told the story about how we ended up getting, you know, couldn't park the truck and have the parking ride. And the first day was kind of shot and I had to go run and get a couple of things for other people that they asked me cause I had nothing on my list and I didn't get to Kyle's table until the second day. And I went and he goes, no, as soon as I opened up, some some guy came and and got the D man one, which was the first to go. And this guy tried to tell him that I'm the biggest, you know, I, as the guy who bought it is like I'm the biggest D man in the world. And Kyle Starks, well, that's a lie because you're at least the second biggest D man because Kyle Starks is the biggest D man fan. And I was like, okay. I said, well, could you end up doing? 
you know, a D a D man because for and I told him who it was for, and he's like, oh, I, you know, like doing your show. I, you know, definitely do it again because the ones I like are the ones I tend to remember. I said, yeah, it's for for Joe, aka the guy who got hit by a bus. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, he goes, give me, a, you know, some time. I'll maybe take it back to the the hotel. And I didn't know if it was gonna be a full. I think it was. He told me it was gonna be a full body. He's like, ah, maybe I'll add some color for you. Blah blah blah. And then he ended up doing all that. And I was like, all right, well, as long as you don't tweet out or take pictures of the the stuff you do at the show. He's like, no. I said, because it's for a gift for the second biggest D-man in the world. Not after I'll, I'll do it after you, Kyle. It's then Joe. And then that guy who bought the head sketch. He's like, all right, I could do that ranking. That ranking's <laughs> fine with me. So I got you a D-man sketch, Joe. Thank you very much. I, I greatly appreciate it. I got to find a little frame for it now, too, you know? You know who to talk about that? The person who does Lois Lane? Uh, she frames like, and if you're not looking to get it like professionally framed, obviously you're not. She does a lot and like makes it look like like great. She could tell you where to get good deals on stuff like that. Cool. Uh, if and when I see her this week, I'll uh, be sure to let her know. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, also, of course, Todd uh, lets everyone know to get your uh, pigskin pickums in before the uh, first game on Thursday happens. Right. Now, and this week, Thursday games are over, I think. Oh, there are no more oh, Thursday games? I don't know if there's – this week is a Thursday game. I'm looking really quick. But then they're going to stop and just have Saturday and Sunday games. Gotcha. So uh, I, I will still put out the reminder on Thursdays because uh, – I like to give people that extra couple of days because they kind of uh, – second. No, there is one Thursday game this week, and then that will be uh, the second to last one. There is one every week except for the last. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. I and, get confused and, easily. And currently, uh, I'm in 17th place, still holding strong on the first page. And Todd is currently in third place in the ESPN Pigskin Pickums. Um, I know who second place is. Uh, that is my co-host on At Odds with Wrestling and Todd's co-host on Porch Talk, uh, the man Adam Van. Now, I don't know who Styrofoam Anvil is. I don't know if they're a listener to this show or if they're a listener to uh, At Odds or if they've come in through one of the other shows on the soon-to-be-named network. But, uh, you know, you've been in first place for a pretty long time. And, uh, and like, you know, we usually send you like a little prize pack if you win. So, uh, you know, reach out to us. Let us know who you are so we know who you are, right? Yeah. Who knows? It could be another host who hasn't told us, too. Yeah, that's right. Bunch of kayfabe and you know what. That's right. But I'm surging, Joe. Surging. I was going to say I could track your process, but that sounds like a lot of work. The one thing that I will say is... If we're talking about the ESPN pigskin pickums, I would be remiss not to mention the uh, soon-to-be-named network Fantasy Football, as we are currently in the midst of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And unless I'm mistaken, um, I think it is, and I'm looking at this here, and again, I do apologize. Um, it is uh, Mr. Tim taking on Ronald Two Legs, formerly of... Uh, Pod Van Dam, currently the sound man over at AIW, Root Beer Wrestling, as Todd likes to call it. But the other matchup would be uh, our very own Todd taking on uh, somebody else's uh, Adam the Man uh, van, right? Yep. I I'm, I feel bad. I had to bump Brett off this week in the playoffs. Um, Brett, you still have to pay me for the football opportunity. Um, 
but you know, I'm not going to, even though I beat you, I'm not going to have any mercy on you. Uh, and yeah, this week is me and Adam going head to head. Um, winner goes on to the big game at the end and, uh, We'll see what happens, Joe. We'll see what happens. You were my pick from the beginning in all of this, and uh, you were my pick to make it to the end. Um, I think a very funny one-two punch. And I'm not taking Tim out of the equation here, but I think a very funny way to end all this is you beating Adam in the semifinals um, and then you beating Ronald Two Legs in the final finals. Right. Uh, I, I, that would be great. I would, I would get the bag and be the winner. So I'm fine with that outcome. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you get your own cut of the money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we ain't got no movies or TVs to talk about. There's no T public sale going on right now. It's going to pick back up, um, Sunday and Monday of next week. So, you know, it's only 35% off. Then, you know, get those Chris. If you didn't get what you wanted, or I'm sorry, Monday and Tuesday, if you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas from T Public, you can go buy it yourself on Monday or Tuesday, 35% off. So just hold your horses until then. Uh, you can make any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You could use this affiliate link at any time you want to buy anything you want on eBay and support the show at the same time. Yeah. Not but the as most good as getting the bag money, but yeah. No. But the most important plug I would say would have to be uh, sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you are going to get two exclusive podcasts from Todd and myself, one being Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Um, it was announced uh, two weeks ago that we have been renewed up to 2027. So batten down the hatches for that. Get all the past episodes of that. And you also get the full scans of all those preview catalogs that we talk about every month as well as part of your patronage. You also get comic book oddities, which is extended for at least another three years here. We're just this past week we did the infamous 1997 Justice League of America pilot that aired Christmas weekend on CBS one time and was at one time a rare sought after jewel at many a bootlegger table at many a comic book convention. Is it good? Is it bad? We'll let you know if you sign up for the Patreon, right? Right. It's so famous. It's infamous, Joe. Mm. Yes. Uh, and of course, $5 a month is going to get you those, those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And it's also going to get you, Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to the shows in the correct listening order. Yes. And like I said, that's it. Um, I know it's the holiday weekend. It's a busy weekend. We had mentioned a couple times here that Aquaman 2 is coming out as you're, many of you are listening to this. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see Aquaman 2 before we record again, but that's okay because we will be talking about Doctor Who next week. Um, call it a hunch. I have a feeling that Aquaman 2 might be an unspoilerable movie. Right. <laughs> Since it is officially, officially the last vestige of the pre-Jimmy Pistol DC Universe takeover. And uh, what's his face? The hot guy who played Jason Mimosa was uh, doing interviews to promote the movie saying like, yeah, it doesn't look like they're going to be bringing me back as Aquaman. 
I wish they did, but I think this right. might be my last time being Aquaman. And I feel bad for him, you know. He's going to be Lobo. He's going to be Lobo. Hot guy, all those muscles, big movie star. Just can't catch a break, you know. Poor no, guy. No, no, he'll be. And they say he's legit, like a great guy in real life. That's the word. That's the word. Yeah, that's the word. So it's even worse when they're a nice guy, because mm-hmm. at least I can say with all those muscles and money and looks, you're a jerk underneath. That's what really counts, and you're not good. But when you're nice, you got it all, Joe. You got it yeah. all. I I think he'd make a good Lobo. I think he would. And I think I'm the Jason Momoa of the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I No complaints here. I'm not going to poo-poo that one. All right. Cool beans. So, hey, everyone. That's it for the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, this was episode 689 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. See you next week. And Merry Christmas. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.